0: Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep. Slow, quiet stories to help you fall asleep. It's been a beautiful week up here at the cabin. Got a little bit of rain in the beginning of the week, and a lot of sun. A few almost spring-like days, and long walks with Bodie that gave me some time to think about the upcoming year. One of the things I've set as my goal for this year is to make Listen to Sleep one of the top 10 sleep podcasts. I've so enjoyed this last year of growing the podcast, finding out what works best for all of you to help you sleep, hearing back from you and finding out that it works and you sleep better and that makes me happy That makes you happy. I want more of that for all of us. So I'm asking for your help this week. Would you recommend the podcast to one person you know this week who might need some help nodding off at night? I sure would appreciate it. You can send them to the website www.listentosleep.com and there they can search all of the episodes and find one that seems like a good start for them. If you haven't been to the new website yet, I finished it about a month ago, and along with a tagged searchable index of almost 100 episodes, there is a spot for you to leave reviews, which I very much appreciate. Thank you so much to all of you who've already done that. I've got a blog there, and if you want to see what life around the cabin is like and what I'm thinking about... I've been writing and posting pictures there. There's also information on the Patreon, which you can join and get the podcast a day early without any ads or introductions for just $1 a month. And that $1 goes towards helping me have this be my retirement one day so that I can be a storyteller for you when I retire. This week, five new people joined the Patreon. Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you, Megan. Lai Ming, thank you so much for joining the Patreon. Christoph from the Netherlands, thank you for joining the Patreon and supporting in Euros. And Delva, thank you so much. And just a quick reminder, if you want anything that's on the Patreon like the 10 hours of nature sounds that I've recorded around the cabin to help you fall asleep on the nights you don't want a story, or the Sleepy Shorts, which are shorter episodes specifically tailored for kids. If you can't afford it, just let me know. Send me an email at eric at com, and I will send you an RSS link to get it all for free, because I don't ever want money to keep anyone from getting the sleep they deserve. This week's story is a sleepy Czech fairy tale. And it includes talking animals and a princess, of course. Let's take a deep breath. And let it out. Just feel yourself... Lying against the mattress. Sinking down into it. Allowing yourself to just relax. Let's take another deep breath. And out. Nothing to do... Nowhere to go. This is your time, quiet time, to rest. Take a deep breath and let it out. If you get sleepy while I'm reading to you, that's okay. Just let yourself nod off. Zlatovlaska, the golden-haired. There was once an old king who was so wise that he was able to understand the speech of all the animals in the world. This is how it happened. An old woman came to him one day, bringing him a snake in a basket. If you have this snake cooked, she told him, and eat it as you would a fish, then you will be able to understand the birds of the air, the beasts of the earth, and the fishes of the sea. The king was delighted. He made the old wise woman a handsome present and at once ordered his cook, a youth named Yerik, to prepare the fish for dinner. But understand, Yerik, he said severely, you're to cook this fish, not eat it. You're not to taste one morsel of it. If you do, you forfeit your head. Yirik thought this a strange order. What kind of cook am I, he said to himself, that I'm not to sample my own cooking? When he opened the basket and saw the fish, he was further mystified. Um, he murmured, It looks like a snake to me. He put it on the fire, and when it was broiled to a turn, he ate a morsel. It had a fine flavor. He was about to take a second bite when suddenly he heard a little voice that buzzed in his ear these words. Give us some, too. Give us some too. He looked around to see who was speaking, but there was no one in the kitchen. Only some flies were buzzing about. Just then, outside, a hissing voice called out Where shall we go? Where shall we go? A higher voice answered to the miller's barley field, to the miller's barley field. Yurik looked out the window and saw a gander with a flock of geese. Oh, ho, he said to himself, shaking his head. Now I understand. Now I know what kind of fish this is. Now I know why the poor cook was not to take a bite. He slipped another morsel into his mouth, garnished the fish carefully on a platter, and carried it to the king. After dinner, the king ordered his horse and told Yirik to come with him for a ride. The king rode on ahead, and Yirik followed. As they cantered across a green meadow yurik's horse began to prance and neigh "ho ho" he said "i feel so light that i could jump over a mountain" "so could i" the king's horse said "but i have to remember the old bag of bones that is perched on my back if i were to jump" he'd tumble off and break his neck. And a good thing, too, said Yirik's horse. Why not? Then, instead of such an old bag of bones, you'd get a young man to ride you, like Yirik. Yirik almost burst out laughing as he listened to the horse's talk. But he suppressed his merriment lest the king should know that he had eaten some of the magic snake. Now, of course, the king, too, understood what the horses were saying. He glanced apprehensively at Yurik, and it seemed to him that Yirik was grinning. What are you laughing at, Yirik? Me, Yirik said. I'm not laughing. I was just thinking about something funny. Um, said the king. His suspicions against Yerik were aroused. Moreover, he was afraid to trust himself to his horse any longer. So he turned back to the palace at once. There, he ordered Yirik to pour him out a goblet of wine. And I warn you, he said, that you forfeit your head if you pour a drop too much or too little. Yirik carefully tilted a great tankard and began filling a goblet. As he poured, a bird, suddenly flew into the window, pursued by another bird. The first bird had in its beak three golden hairs. Give them to me, give them to me, they're mine, screamed the second bird. I won't, I won't, they're mine, the first bird answered. I picked them up. Yes, but I saw them first, the other cried. I saw them fall as the maiden sat and combed her golden tresses. Give me two of them, and I'll let you keep the third. No, 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 I won't let you have one of them. The second bird darted angrily at the first, and after a struggle, succeeded in capturing one of the golden hairs. One hair dropped to the marble floor, making, as it struck, a musical tinkle, and the first bird escaped, still holding in its bill a single hair. In his excitement over the struggle, Yirik overflowed the goblet. Ha-ha, said the king, see what you've done. You forfeit your head. However, I'll suspend sentence on condition that you find this golden-haired maiden and bring her to me for a wife. Poor Yerik did not know who the maiden was, nor where she lived. But what could he say? If he wanted to keep his head, he must undertake the quest. So he saddled his horse and started off at random. His road led him through a forest. Here he came upon a bush, under which some shepherds had kindled a fire. Sparks were falling on an anthill nearby and the ants, in great excitement, were running hither and thither with their eggs. Yirik, they cried, help, help, or we shall all be burned to death, we and our young ones in the eggs. Yirik instantly dismounted, cut down the burning bush, and put out the fire. Thank you, Yirik. Thank you, the ants said. Your kindness to us this day will not go unrewarded. If ever you are in trouble, think of us, and we will help you. As Yirik rode on through the forest, he came upon two fledgling ravens lying by the path. Help us, Yirik, help us they called, our father and mother have thrown us out of the nest in yonder tall fir tree to fend for ourselves. We are young and helpless and not yet able to fly. Give us some meat to eat, or we shall perish with hunger. The sight of the helpless fledglings touched Yeric to pity. He dismounted instantly, drew his sword, and killed his horse. Then he fed the starving birds the meat they needed. Thank you, Yirik, thank you, the little ravens croaked. You have saved our lives this day. Your kindness will not go unrewarded. If ever you are in trouble, think of us, and we will help you. Yirik left the young ravens and pushed on foot. The path through the forest was long and wearisome. It led out, finally, onto the seashore. On the beach, two fishermen were quarreling over a big fish with golden scales that lay gasping on the sand. It's mine, I tell you one of the men was shouting. It was caught in my net, so of course it's mine. To this, the other one shouted back, but your net would never have caught a fish if you hadn't been out in my boat and if I hadn't helped you. Give me this one, the first man said, and I'll let you have the next one. No, you take the next one, the other said. This one's mine. So they kept on arguing to no purpose until Yerik went up to them and said, Let me decide this for you. Suppose you sell me the fish and then divide the money he offered them all the money the king had given him for his journey. The fisherman, delighted at the offer, at once agreed. Yirik handed them over the money, and then, taking the gasping fish in his hand, he threw it back into the sea. When the fish had caught its breath, it rose on a wave, and called out to Yirik, thank you, Yirik, thank you. You have saved my life this day. Your kindness will not go unrewarded. If ever you are in trouble, think of me, and I will help you. With that, the golden fish flicked its tail and disappeared in the water. Where are you going, Yurik? The fisherman asked. I'm going in quest of a golden haired maiden, whom my master, the king, wished to make his wife. He must mean the princess Zlatovlaska, the fishermen said to each other. The princess Zlatovlaska, Yurik repeated. Who? is she? She's the golden-haired daughter of the king of the Crystal Palace. Do you see the faint outlines of an island over yonder? That's where she lives. The king has twelve daughters, but Zlatovlaska alone has golden hair. Each morning at dawn. A wonderful glow spreads over land and sea. That's Zlatovlaska combing her golden hair. The fishermen conferred apart for a moment, and then said Yurik, you settled our dispute for us, and now, in return, we'll row you over to the island. So they rode Yirik over to the island of the Crystal Palace and left him there with the warning that the king would probably try to palm off on him one of the dark-haired princesses. Yirik at once presented himself at the palace, got an audience with the king, and declared his mission. Hmm, the king said. So, your master desires the hand of my daughter, the Princess Zlatovlaska, eh? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I see no objection to your master as a son-in-law. But of course, before I entrust the princess into your hands, you must prove yourself worthy. I tell you what I'll do. I'll give you three tasks to perform. Be ready for the first one tomorrow. Early the next day, the king said to Yerik, My daughter, Zlatovlaska, had a precious necklace of pearls. She was walking in the meadow over yonder when the string broke and the pearls rolled away in the tall grasses. Now, your first task is to gather up every last one of those pearls and hand them to me before sundown. Yirik went to the meadow, and when he saw how broad it was and how thickly covered with tall grasses, his heart sank for he realized that he could never search over the whole of it in one day. However, he got down on his hands and knees and began to hunt. Midday came, and he had not yet found a single pearl. Oh, dear, he thought to himself in despair. If only my aunts were here, they could help me. He had no sooner spoken than a million little voices answered. We are here, and we're here to help you. And sure enough, there they were, the very ants that he supposed were far away. What do you want us to do, they asked. Find me all the pearls that are scattered in this meadow. I can't find one of them. Instantly, the ants scurried hither and thither, and soon they began bringing him the pearls, one by one. Yurik strung them together until the necklace seemed complete. Are there any more? He asked. He was about to tie the string together, when an ant whose foot had been burned in the fire hobbled up, crying, "Wait, Yirik! Don't tie the string yet. Here's the last pearl." Yirik thanked the ants for their help, and at sundown carried the string of pearls to the king. The king counted the pearls, and to his surprise found that not one was missing. You've done this well, he said. Tomorrow, I'll give you your second task. The next day, when Yurik presented himself, the king said, while my daughter Zlatavlaska was bathing in the sea, a golden ring slipped from her finger and disappeared. Your task is to find me this ring before sundown. Yirik went down to the seashore, and as he walked along the beach, his heart grew heavy as he recalled the difficulty of the task before him. The sea was clear, but so deep that he couldn't even see the bottom. How then? Could he find the ring? Oh dear, he said aloud. If only the golden fish were here, it could help me. I am here, a voice said, and I'm here to help you. And there was the golden fish on a crest of a wave, gleaming like a flash of fire. What do you want me to do? It said. Find me a golden ring that lies somewhere on the bottom of the sea. Ah, a golden ring. A moment ago I met a pike, the fish said, that had just such a golden ring. Wait for me here and I'll go find the pike. In a few moments, the golden fish returned with the pike, and sure enough, it was Zlatovlaska's ring that the pike was carrying. That evening at sundown, the king acknowledged that Yirik had accomplished his second task. The next day, the king said, I could never allow my daughter, Zlatovlaska, the golden haired, to go to the kingdom of your master, unless she carried with her two flasks, one filled with the water of life, the other with the water of death. So today, for a third task, I set you this, to bring the princess a flask of the water of life, and a flask of the water of death. Yerik had no idea which way to turn. He had heard of the waters of life and death, but all he knew about them was that their springs were far away beyond the Red Sea. He left the Crystal Palace and walked off aimlessly until his feet had carried him of themselves into a dark forest. If only those young ravens were here, he said aloud, they could help me. Instantly, he heard a loud caw, call, and the two ravens flew down to him, saying, we are here, we are here to help you. What do you want us to do? I have to bring the king a flask of the water of life, and a flask of the water of death, and I don't know where the springs are. Do you know? Yes, we know, the raven said. Wait here, and we'll soon fetch you water from both springs. They flew off and in a short time returned each bearing a gourd of the precious water. Yurik thanked the ravens and carefully filled his two flasks. As he was leaving the forest, he came upon a great spider web. An ugly spider sat in the middle of it, sucking on a fly. Yurik took a drop of the water of death and flicked it on the spider. The spider doubled up dead and fell to the ground like a ripe cherry. Then Yirik sprinkled a drop of living water on the fly. The fly instantly revived, pulled itself out of the web, and flew about happy and free once again. Thank you, Yirik. It buzzed, thank you for bringing me back to life. You won't be sorry. Just wait, and you'll soon see that I'll reward you. When Yirik returned to the palace and presented the two flasks, the king said, but one thing yet remains. You may take Slatovlaska, the golden-haired, but you must yourself pick her out from among the twelve sisters. The king led Yirik into a great hall. The twelve princesses were seated about a table, beautiful maidens all, and each looking much like the others. Yirik could not tell which was Zlatavlaska, the golden-haired, for each princess wore a long heavy white veil, so draped over her head and shoulders that it completely covered her hair. Here are my 12 daughters, the king said. One of them is Slatovlaska, the golden-haired. Pick her out and you may lead her at once to your master. If You fail to pick her out, then you must depart without her. In dismay, Yurik looked from sister to sister. There was nothing to show him which was Slatovlaska, the golden haired. How was he to find out? Suddenly, he heard a buzzing in his ear. And a little voice whispered, Courage, Yurik! courage. I'll help you. He turned his head quickly, and there was the fly he had rescued from the spider. Walk slowly by each princess, the fly said, and I'll tell you when you come to Zlatovlaska, the golden haired. Yirik did as the fly ordered. He stopped a moment before the first princess, until the fly buzzed, not that one, not that one. He went on to the next princess, and again the fly buzzed, not that one, not that one. So he went on from princess to princess, until at last the fly buzzed out Yes, that one that one. So Yurik remained standing where he was, and said to the king This, I think, is Zlatovlaska, the golden haired. You have guessed right, the king said. At that Zlatovlaska removed the white veil from her head. And her lovely hair tumbled down to her feet like a golden cascade. It shimmered and glowed like the sun in the early morning when he peeps over the mountain top. stared until the brightness dimmed his sight. The king immediately prepared Zlatovlaska the golden haired for her journey. He gave her the two precious flasks of water. He arranged a fitting escort, and then, with his blessing, he sent her forth under Yerik's care. Yerik conducted her safely to his master. When the old king saw the lovely princess that Yerik had found him, his eyes blinked with satisfaction. He capered about, like a spring lamb, and he ordered that immediate preparations be made for the wedding. He was most grateful to Yerik, and thanked him again and again. My dear boy, he said, I had expected to have you hanged for your disobedience and let the ravens pick your bones. But now, to show you how grateful I am. For the beautiful bride you have found me, I'm not going to have you hanged at all. Instead, I shall have you beheaded and then given a decent burial. The execution took place at once, in order to be out of the way before the wedding. It's a great pity he had to die, the king said, as the executioner cut off Eric's head He has certainly been a faithful servant. Zlatovlaska, the golden haired, asked if she might have his severed head and body. The king, who was too madly in love to refuse her anything, said yes. So Zlatovlaska took the body and the head and put them together. Then she sprinkled them with the water of death. Instantly, the wound closed, and soon it healed so completely that there wasn't even a scar left. Yurik lay there lifeless, but looking merely as if he were asleep. Zlatovlaska sprinkled him with the water of life, and immediately, His dead limbs stirred. Then he opened his eyes and sat up. Life poured through his veins, and he sprang to his feet, younger, fresher, and handsomer than before. The old king was filled with envy. I, too, he cried, wish to be made young and handsome, he commanded the executioner to cut off his head, and he told Zlatovlaska to sprinkle him afterwards with the water of life. The executioner did as he was told. Then Zlatovlaska sprinkled the old king's head and body with the water of life. Nothing happened. Slatovlaska kept on sprinkling the water of life until there was no more left. Do you know, the princess said to Yerik, I believe I should have used the water of death first. So now she sprinkled the body and head with the water of death, and, sure enough, they grew together At once. But of course, there was no life in them. And of course, there was no possible way of putting life into them, because the water of life was all gone. So, the old king remained dead. This will never do, the people said we must have a king. And with the wedding feast and everything prepared, we simply must have a wedding too. If Zlatovlaska the golden-haired cannot marry the old king, she'll have to marry someone else. Now, who shall it be? Someone suggested Yirik because he was young and handsome. And because, like the old king, he could understand the birds and the beasts. Yerik, the people cried, let Yerik be our king. And Zlatovlaska the golden haired, who had long since fallen in love with the handsome Yerik, consented to have the wedding at once in order that the feast, already prepared, might not be wasted. So Yirik and Slatovlaska, the golden-haired, were married, and they ruled so well, and they lived so happily that to this day, when people say of someone, he's as happy as a king, they are thinking of King Yirik. And when they say of someone, she's as beautiful as a queen, they are thinking of Zlatovlaska, the golden-haired. Good night.